But we are in the Gospel of Mark, and so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 20 today. If you want to follow along in the Bible in the pew rack in front of you, it's on page 890. And so as you're turning to Mark, I invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word from Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and his teaching, in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased thirty, sixty, and a hundred times. Then he said, Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables. The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes a word sown in them. And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seed sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground, hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundred times what was sown. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm curious, how many of you in the room, you can raise your hand, speak or at least understand German? Okay. 
you'll have to forgive me because it has been probably uh, 17 or 18 years since I've spoken any German, and that was during college when, as a vocal major, I was required to sing in German, except that my vocal coach and the chorus director would literally go syllable by syllable, and they would tell you how to say it phonetically in English. So I have no clue what I'm about to say if it sounds right, but the title of today's message had the word acker in it. And so I just couldn't pass it up. As I was studying and researching and I came across this title for this parable, I said, that is what the title of Sunday's message has to be. Gleichnis von Vier Erle Acker. No? Yes? Okay. I don't know. I have no clue. But that's the title and it's German for this. The parable of the four kinds of fields or four kinds of soils. And of course, having a few acres around here that we know and love, I thought this was the perfect title for a message. It's appropriate because the parable really does emphasize the soils, not the sower, the fate of the seed and the different soils on which it falls. You see, the main point of today's message is the importance of hearing and responding to the good news of the kingdom of God. Hearing and responding. At the end of the day, when we dive into the application, the question I will be asking is simply this. Are you listening? Are you listening? But before we get to that application, which will really just be uh, an explanation or an exposition of the explanation that Jesus gives in this parable, I want us to pause first at the beginning and consider the imperative at the beginning of this parable. The imperative or the command that Jesus gives to his hearers. Jesus commands his hearers to listen. As we were just reading the first nine verses a moment or two ago, I hope you caught that command and how it actually frames the parable proper. The parable itself is framed by a command of Jesus Listen. If you look at verse 3, for example, you can see he begins with this command. Listen. And then he shares the parable. And then if you look down at the end of verse 9, he said, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. So at the beginning and the end, you have the, the imperative of the parable, and it really is all about listening. Do you have ears? is the question that Jesus is asking. So we come to understand through the entirety of this passage and the parable itself is all about listening and the various types of hearers of the word of God that there are. There is something fundamental about faith that requires that we listen to and understand God's word. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The sower sows the word and faith comes from hearing, Paul says. So when Jesus commands those around him to listen, we must understand it is our duty. That's what an imperative is. It's a command. It is our duty as hearers of God's word, to hear and ultimately to heed what is said. 
Paul says in Romans 2, it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So you come to understand it's like James says, uh, the, the one who hears the word. We don't want to be a hearer only, but a doer of the word. So this listening is more than merely hearing. We all have ears. But do we have ears to hear what the Spirit says and respond and produce fruit as the parable explains? So James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So right at the beginning, we understand the whole parable is about listening. Are you listening? But then Mark takes what I'm calling a bit of an interlude, okay? This is the the interlude in verses 10 through 12 where Jesus explains the purpose of speaking in parables. The interlude in verses 10 through 12 is Jesus explaining that parables serve a purpose. Now, in the context of Mark, it becomes clear that this is not what follows chronologically, The setting has changed from Jesus on a boat to Jesus with um, the twelve and those around him. Uh, And and really what Mark has done is he's he's taken the bits and pieces from Jesus' life, the the preaching of this parable, and then the later explanation in a different setting, and put it in a logical flow instead of a chronological. So you have the, the parable of the sower and the explanation combined in the same place. If you remember the picture of the boat that we showed at the beginning of the introduction of Mark, you can imagine that there probably was not more room than just for the 12, if those, on the boat itself. Here in verse 10, it says, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. So once again, we are reminded of the early church father, Papias. He made a statement about the gospel of Mark. He said this, Mark wrote accurately all that he remembered, not indeed in order. (laughs) He wrote all that he remembered, but it wasn't in order chronologically. Mark is uh, giving us a, a logical flow of thought. So let's peer now into this sidebar conversation amongst Jesus and those following him who were asking more about what he had taught. These are people who desired to understand the parable that Jesus had taught on the boat. Now, I will contend to you that the the language in verses 10 through 12, both in English and in the original Greek, is not hard to understand. It's just hard to understand. (laughs) Let's reread them. In verse 10, Mark writes, When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret, or maybe the mystery, of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, now pause for a second and just reflect on the context in the Gospel of Mark and where we just came from in chapter 3. There was a moment with Jesus inside and those around him and those outside, some of which were his blood family. And he said, no, this is all about those who are are hearing and wanting to do God's will. They are my brother and my family in Christ. And so you have an inside-outside 
Uh, in chapter 3, and here you have it again, Jesus says, the mystery of the secret of the kingdom of God, verse 11, has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand otherwise or lest or so that not they might turn back and be forgiven. Now, without getting buried in a Greek lesson this morning, I do think it is important for you to understand the underlying word at the beginning of verse 12 is the Greek word hina. And hina typically, most of the time, introduces a purpose clause so that this purpose might be accomplished. Okay, that's what hina typically means. Thus, the translation that we have in the CSB, Jesus spoke in parables so that or with the purpose that they look and not perceive, etc. So Jesus appears to be saying that he teaches in parables in order to blind the eyes of some listeners, which is hard for us to understand and frankly, sometimes hard to accept. That's why there have been other suggestions uh, through the years about what perhaps was meant here. Um, Strauss, in his commentary, gives a few. He says that maybe the word hina carries instead the weight of another Greek word, hati, which means because. Okay, so it might be something like Jesus spoke in parables because they look and don't perceive, and they hear and don't understand. Or it could have been with the result that. Another Greek word could have been used, hoste. So Jesus spoke in parables with the result that they look and don't perceive or they hear and don't understand. But here's the rub, okay? Let's let's end the, the little Greek lesson here, if you will. There are no clear examples of either of the other senses of the word henna in the book of Mark. There's no other time when henna is not translated as a purpose so that. There were other words, in other words, that Mark could have used to say because— or with the result that. So the language is plain, and I think the CSB heading is is good here. Why? The purpose, why Jesus used parables, or if you have the ESV, the heading of this section is the purpose of the parables. I think that is spot on as a section heading. The words of Jesus indicate he intended to reveal more of the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God to those who were hungry to learn more with the parables. But simultaneously, he used parables as an act of judgment to further blind those who had already rejected him. Think of Mark chapter 3 and verse 6. We talked about it several Sundays in a row, how the Herodians and the Pharisees were plotting together against Jesus. Think about the accusations leveled against Jesus. They claimed that he was in league with Satan to drive out demons. And all these mighty works had been done in their presence, and yet they were hard in their heart, and they had rejected God's Messiah already. The reality is, Jesus is quoting here from Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah 6, in that context of chapters 5 and 6 of Isaiah, is all about a judgment of God 
on the people of Israel. In chapter 5, the allegory of a vineyard is used in Isaiah. God is portrayed as the owner of a vineyard who cared for and loved Israel. But because Israel failed to produce the fruit of covenant faithfulness, God says he's going to remove the hedges or the walls of protection around them, and the Assyrians are going to come and act as his agents of judgment. And then Isaiah sees the Lord in his glory. We're going to come back to that. In Isaiah 6, you remember the year that King Uzziah died? He sees the Lord high and lifted up in the glory, fills the temple, and he says, I will go and I will preach. And he has the hardest message ever to preach because they're going to hear and not understand. They're going to see, but they're not going to perceive. And Isaiah's message is going to have its intended result. And the intended result is going to be the judgment of the people of Israel. God has pronounced judgment and he has determined what he will do. He will use the rejection of Israel to accomplish his sovereign purpose, to bring glory to his name. And this is a pattern that appears we've been studying in the book of Exodus as well. So think with me of Pharaoh who hardened his heart, but also God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So you have human responsibility and divine sovereignty and the mystery of how those intertwine. But all of this was to accomplish God's purpose of the glorious exodus of his people from Egypt. This is the pattern in Mark's gospel. God is now going to accomplish his sovereign purpose of salvation, not just despite the rejection of the Jewish people and the leaders, but by means of it. And to do this, he will blind their eyes and shut their ears. Jesus' words in parables, like Isaiah's, are a judicial pronouncement of coming judgment that will accomplish God's sovereign purpose. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, help us with this balance of human responsibility and divine sovereignty. Men of Israel... Peter preaching at Pentecost. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. Hear the Galilean ministry of Jesus in Mark 1 through 3. You yourselves know this Jesus delivered up according to, here at the sovereignty of God, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified. Do you feel the human responsibility there? God did it, and you did it. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So Peter says, the people of Israel, they were responsible, they rejected, but God was doing something with a purpose. In Romans, Paul says that God consigned Jews and Gentiles to disobedience that he might have mercy. I think consign is a great word for what is taking place. God is consigning the Pharisees, religious leaders, and those outside to what they really want. And The purpose of doing that in the book of Romans was so that he would receive glory and so that people would receive mercy. In other words, no one can say, 
oh no, I saw it coming. I believed in the Messiah. I'm, I'm a Jewish person and I got it the whole time. There was no boasting. God consigned the Jewish leaders to disobedience to show mercy to us Gentiles. In the, the death of Jesus on the cross, he accomplished his purpose for mercy for the world. The glory of God in Christ's crucifixion is what's at stake here in the preaching of parables to consign them to disobedience. Now, I know I've spent a while on this, but one more thing that I find very interesting. In the Old Testament, if you were to pick the high points of where you could see the glory of God, I guarantee you in your top ten, maybe your top five, of the glory of God on display in the Old Testament, you would think of Isaiah chapter 6. You would think of God's glory filling the temple. In the year King Uzziah died, you know, the, the display of the majesty and glory of God, you would think of glory. Now, I want to test all that I've been sharing with you with John's gospel account of what Isaiah saw. Remember, Mark is quoting, Jesus is quoting Isaiah in the purpose of the parables. And we've said Isaiah 5 and 6 was about judgment. It's about glory. It's about God doing something mysterious and powerful in the spread of the gospel and mercy to Gentiles. So let's check that in John chapter 12. Again, saying that Jesus had done many signs before them. They still did not believe in him. That is the Jewish people. So, so that, here's another purpose, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Also from Isaiah 6. Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, and this is a Quote from Isaiah 6, 9. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Sounds a lot like the purpose of the parables. Listen to verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him, Jesus. Isaiah sees the glory of the pre-incarnate Christ. He sees Christ in a vision in the temple, and he sees what is happening, and his response is, I will go and I will preach, but the preaching will result in the rejection of the people. He came to his own, John 1, and his own people did not receive him, and that rejection was part of God's judgment for the hardening of their hearts, but it served the greater purpose of the glory of God in the death of Jesus Christ for sinners. It resulted in mercy to Gentiles and mercy to any Jewish person who by faith trusts in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Jesus spoke in parables for a purpose. Nothing less, I would argue, than the glory of God. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Would you have done it that way? I, I wouldn't have done it that way. 
How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? He did it this way so that from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Are you listening? Well, that really is the question today. By way of application and back to the parable itself and Jesus' explanation of it, I want to ask the question, are you listening? That's the inquiry if we're going to keep with eyes today. Now, by way of reminder, this section, aside from the interlude, is all about the four types of fields or soils, the vier erle acres, if you will. I guess acre means acre, right? That's what Pastor Allen was sharing with me, an acre of land. So the four kinds of soils. And to bring things home, Jesus continues to explain the parable to those around him. You'll remember what he shares in verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. This is what I'm calling dismissive hearing. It's like in one ear and out the other. There's a hardened heart already. There's a hard path here. There's an active work of Satan to take and snatch away the word as it is sown. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, birds, as predators and seed snatchers and scavengers, were often uh, associated with Satan in Jewish literature. Satan will use things, I would argue, like secular ideologies, mystical philosophic systems of today, ways of thinking to completely blind people to the truth of God's word. As, as it is preached and it is shared, it's immediately taken away and dismissed out of hand. But then Jesus says in verses 16 and 17, others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. We can all think of instances like this where someone has received the word of God. They seem to sprout up with joy and then fall away. It's what I'm calling Selective hearing. Selective hearing. It's the rocky soil folks that only hear the parts of God's word that they really want to hear. And so they become unbalanced. You get a top-heavy plant with very shallow roots. When it comes to the parts of the gospel and God's word that talk about the cost of discipleship, There's evidence that they haven't taken that seriously and haven't had the roots to go down deep to withstand the storms of pressure and persecution because of the word. Unfortunately, there are many who have fallen prey to the prosperity gospel that says that the the good news of the kingdom is all about your health. 
It's all about your well-being and happiness or your wealth. They failed to take into account Jesus' words of taking up our cross daily and following him. Or the book of Acts, it says, through many hardships, we will enter the kingdom of God. Or the book of Romans, it says that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces hope. There's more to the word of God than simply what it can bring and to benefit us. There's a deeper meaning and there's more to it. And so selective hearing is what is pictured here in verses 16 and 17. Then Jesus continues in verses 18 and 19. He says in verse 18, others are like seed sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age. Anybody think there are any worries of the age? The deceitfulness of wealth. Anybody live in America? And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This is what I'm calling distracted hearing. Distracted. It's like the husband watching the game, and he hears what his wife says, but it's kind of drowned out by the noise. I'm sure some of the ladies in the room could say there's also dismissive hearing and there's also selective hearing, but I chose this one as the illustration. (laughs) Distracted hearing. It's a huge temptation for us in America. Christianity becomes more about the American dream than the spread of the kingdom of God. We get more interested in the deceitfulness of wealth, fleeting like sand passing through our hands. You grasp for it and it's gone. You think you have something and then all of our fiat currency goes to nothing. I'm not hoping for that. It can happen. Deceitfulness, gone in an instant. Our treasures, we are told, should be in heaven. And these things that come in, these desires, the worry that can be crippling, it makes us so concerned about the future, so concerned about our health or our finances, we forget we can't add a single day to our lives about them. Jesus seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Don't get sucked in to the deceitfulness of riches, and let the things of this world drown out the gospel, and specifically, your fruitfulness of the gospel. Because that's really the bottom line about this soil, isn't it? It's not as though the gospel is misunderstood. This person may understand even the cost of discipleship, but they become more concerned with worldly affairs than gospel affairs, and they become unfruitful for the sake of the kingdom. We are called to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Which leads us finally to Jesus saying there is a type of soil that is productive. In verse 20 we read, Those like seed sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit. 30, 60, 
and a hundred times what was sown. I'm calling this uh, fruitful listening. Change that last word from hearing to listening. The Greek word for hear or listen is akuo. The Greek word for obey is hupakuo. Super listen, like really listen. Listen with a purpose to, to obey and be fruitful. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We're not merely hearers, but doers. And I love how realistic the picture is that Jesus paints. There are some who will produce fruit that's 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. There were three failures of soil and three varying degrees of productive soil. And that's really realistic to me because God, through His Spirit, gives us different gifts, different abilities. As in one body, there are many members, and the members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. So we have varying gifts that God gives us, but we use them. We stay connected to the vine. If we're apart from Him, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, Jesus says, you will, what, bear much fruit. So we as believers, connected to the vine, connected to Christ, empowered by the Spirit, will produce varying degrees of fruit. But don't miss this, they all produce fruit. There's a, an album uh, that we like to listen to in our family. I downloaded it and started listening to it again with Judah in the car. We had listened to it a year or so ago. It's called Listen Up. Okay, that's the name of the album. Listen Up. And if you have kids, even if you don't have kids, it's, it's so well done. It's creative. It's by Sovereign Grace Music. And um, it's all about the parables of the kingdom of God. And the title track in it is called Listen Up. And I want to share with you what the chorus of that song says. It says, listen up. God gave us ears to hear his word. Listen up and think about everything we've heard. Listen up. Our hearts are where the word can grow. Holy Spirit, help us know how to listen up. And the bridge is, if you want to grow, then you need to know the gospel. Jesus died and rose to forgive all those who believe in him. Are you listening? I invite you hear the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus died and rose to forgive all those who believe in him. If you will come by faith to Christ and his death on the cross, you will find a perfect Savior. And if you live your life connected to the vine, and you're that type of soil whose heart is ready to listen and understand and obey God's word, you will bear fruit. You will have an impact on those around you with those in whom you, with whom you come in contact, and the kingdom will grow as a result of your faithfulness to hear and to heed God's word. 
Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for how you've given us ears to hear. I love the phrase in verse 9 that asks the question, He who has ears to hear, let him hear, let him listen. Father, you have given us what we need. You have written your love and your glory across the sky. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. When the question is asked why people are not listening, as Isaiah goes and preaches to those who don't listen, Paul responds rhetorically, but haven't they heard? The voice of the heavens goes out to all the earth and their words go to the ends of the world. Father, you've given us a message written on the, on the starry sky of your glory and your love for humanity. But more than that, you've given us your, your word. You've given us Jesus. You've given us all that we need to, to hear and respond. And today there is no one in the sound of my voice who has not heard the good news of the kingdom of God. So Father, I pray that the soil in this room has been spirit prepared, softened, readied to receive your word, but not just to receive it and sprout up and fall away. Not to receive it and to be choked out by the cares of this life, but to receive it and to produce fruit. Father, would that be so in my life? Would that be so in the lives of Leonardtown Baptist Church's members that we would be fruitful hearers of your word, that we would be listening to all you have to say to us? Father, I pray that if there are those who are here today for the first time have come to understand their need of a Savior, their sinfulness and what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin, that they would place their trust in Christ alone for salvation. That they would hear and believe and listen to the good news of the kingdom today. Father, we also pause to thank you and to consider the mystery of the kingdom, how you used the disobedience and the hard-heartedness of the Jewish religious leaders and Jewish people to accomplish your purpose of Christ crucified. Father, all glory and praise to you for your wisdom, for your knowledge, for your plan. And Lord, we recognize that it excludes all boasting. We as Gentiles cannot boast. We've been grafted in. Father, the Jews cannot boast. They missed the Messiah attested to by the mighty works of God. All of us in need of your mercy and owing to the glory of the Father in his wise plan. Father, we thank you. We ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and may we be listening. In Jesus' name, amen.